the incomparable Blastcast. Number 170, November 23rd, 2013. We are back for a special Flash Flashcast edition of The Incomparable, uh, recorded live uh, Saturday, November 23rd. 2013, the 50th anniversary of the first broadcast of Doctor Who, and uh, not too long ago as we record this, we watched, uh, as everybody around the world watched uh, the 50th anniversary episode of Doctor Who, it was on uh, the same time all around the world, people could get up in the middle of the night in Asia and watch it, and and uh, for, for those of us on the West Coast, it was on just a little before noon, um, and uh so I am your host, as always, Jason Snell, and joining me are a handful of other people who are our regular panelists who have seen this episode. We're going to talk about it really quickly. David Lore is here. Hello, David. Hello. Hang on. Is this thing on? Wait, wait a second. Yeah, but which which thing is yeah, that? Yeah, now it's working. Who's, 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 who's Sonic Screwdriver is that? Number 11. Uh, Scott McNulty has interrupted his dinner to join us. Thank you, Scott, for being here and making that supreme sacrifice of half of your dinner being cold. How do I know this is the real Jason? Because I don't think the real Jason would really care about my dinner. <laughs> it's true. I, have been, I may have been replaced by a Zygon. But let's, really? let's, no! let's, let's let Zygons be Zygons, Scott. <laughs> and uh, we also have uh, Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hello, Jason. I'm glad that all five of us could be imprisoned in this small cell together. It's good. It's good that, that we could we could be in this tiny space together. And Serenity Caldwell is the unnamed fifth member that Dan was referring to there because he's very clever and can count. Hi, Serenity. Yes. Hello. Did you know that the door was open? I did not think to try it. That's a reference to a show I just saw. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very oh, nice. Tried and failed. I'm going to break in here, by the way, and point out, and we'll we'll put this at the front of the show too. We're talking about this episode. We saw it. We're talking about it. If you don't want to be spoiled, hey, don't listen to this episode. Thank you. This has been a public. Service <laughs> sorry, I, uh, yeah. Sorry, should I? Should we have done the spoiler horn? Yeah. I feel like this episode should start with the spoiler horn. The spoiler Tardis. Yes. <laughs> the day of the Doctor is what we saw. Lots of stuff. I I even yeah. Lots of stuff. What? Let's just go around and I'd love some first impressions of how people, uh, what people uh, thought about this and liked about this episode. Because you know, I'm still processing it. I think Dan and Serenity just literally just uh, <laughs> saw it. So let's start with David Lore, and we'll give them a little extra processing time. David, some first initial thoughts about the the Doctor Who fiftieth special. Um, I had the biggest damn smile on my face through most of it, and at the end, I I was pretty much a giggling wreck. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I mean, I've I've always said that I, I prefer Moffat to Davies as, as in terms of the reboot. And, you know, and even when I have issues with Moffat, and I've had issues with Moffat, that episode made up for all of it. It's just sort of, that's why I like him. And he went back and fixed the, the worst thing I thought Davies ever did, which was destroying Gallifrey. It's like, why would you do that? And then, you know, you have these these people who can travel through time and fix things. So why wouldn't they go and fix it? And he's managed to save everything else in the universe. Why didn't he save that? And boom, saved, done. And it's like, oh, of course. Uh, he, I know why R Russell Davis took the Time Lords off the board. It's because they were oh, yeah. boring and super powerful. And he wanted to give the Doctor a uh, an interesting 
uh, angle to his story that he was this last survivor. But I see when you said the worst thing Russell Davis ever did, I thought you meant the episode, the end of time. <laughs> that would but be the other one. It's, yeah. But, but I, the same I applies to see it again, but the same, the same thing applies, which is that this episode essentially has a whole big chunk that takes place kind of in the middle of the end of time, because it's actually alluded yeah. to, they say that, Oh, the high council is meeting. We know they're doing very bad things. Cause we saw that in the end of time. Um, and uh, so I thought that was interesting that this is this is Stephen Moffat taking having taken the reins three years ago from Russell Davis and um, or, or I guess going on four years ago, maybe. Um, yes, and um, and rewriting the most significant thing that Russell Davis did in terms of Doctor Who sort of chronology by um, un- undoing this. Uh, destruction of of Gallifrey, which is uh, I, I thought that was I thought that was interesting. I, I don't know what it what it means for the for the future of the show and whether this just sort of lays out there for a while or or what. But I thought I thought it was interesting that that it's rewriting recent Doctor Who uh, history, and, oh, yeah. and, and and I think maybe a good way. Yeah, you know, I because I, I love the idea now that he's looking for home again, but he doesn't have to go there right away. You know, it's just there. You know, it doesn't need to change anything. He's still by himself. He's still doing his thing. Um, and I just, I love, again, you know, how it wove in and out of time and in and out of events and how one thing led to, you know, here's the Fez and here's jumping through and here's the queen and here's this and here's that. And it all, you know, and I saw some people on Twitter early on going, wow, the pacing is awful. It's like, let it play for more than 20 minutes before you start complaining about the pacing. I mean, really, I thought the pacing was brilliant because I thought that it was confident enough to know that it had 90 minutes essentially, or 75 minutes. And I was really grateful that we were getting that early story in a couple large blocks rather than it be like quick cut back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Like it was, it knew it had the time to tell the story. And so it wasn't, it was going to take the time. Yeah, I actually I found it really impressive because I felt the entire this entire season has felt a bit rushed to me in terms of the episodes pacing was not always uh, my favorite. And I felt like we weren't spending enough time developing characters or meshing out scenes, etc. And in contrast, I actually think the pacing of this special is fantastic in terms it's fast paced. But they take exactly the amount of time they need to set up the scene and focus on the things that are important and crack a few jokes, too, while still advancing the story. Oh, absolutely. And and just the chemistry. I mean, it's it's no big shock that Tennant and Smith would be fantastic together. But, oh, my God, they were so much fun. They really were. Well, and John Hurt, Great. obviously, who's, I mean, well, hard obviously. to imagine. He, he's, he's like, he's a master already. We all know that if you've seen anything else he's done, right? I mean, oh, yeah. you know, the guy's a vet. So, but he did a great job with that. Why do you people speak like children? Why build one TARDIS <laughs> when you can build two for twice the price? Is what I say. So that's a contact reference. Has anybody seen that movie? John Hurt's in it. Um, I have seen that movie. Yeah. And I, and I just I love to. some of the tossed off things like, you know, brave words, Dick Van Dyke. And just keep going. And I was like, did I really hear that? Yes. Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the pacing at the beginning, that was, I, I'm glad, I'm glad that came up because I, I like that it was not one of those uh, cut, 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 cut. And instead it was very much like, okay, we're going to follow Matt Smith and, and, uh, 
and, and it's the Doctor and Clara, and they've got this sort of beginning adventure. And then we know that the all the Doctors are going to meet, and, and so we get John Hurt's story, and we see that kind of intersection point, and we get sort of David Tennant's story, and we see that intersection point, and then it puts them together. And I liked I liked that, and and throughout the story that that it was. It didn't feel slow paced to me. It felt confident and it ratcheted things up as it went. And um, I, I didn't feel like it was just trying to shovel for as much as in this episode. I didn't feel like it was, uh, you know, sweaty and panting and shoveling crazy references at me every minute, which would have been, I think, understandable if that had been what it was. And, you know, and would have been kind of like. Like a like a Halloween candy overload or something, right? It didn't feel like I was surprised actually that it felt like it had actually room to breathe, which it didn't have to. It could have been completely insanely packed. Yeah, I was yeah. worried a little bit when Ingrid Oliver uh, came on screen. And you're like, oh, she's wearing the Fourth Doctor scarf. Is the entire episode basically going to be tchotchkes and memorabilia of previous Doctors? But it actually turned out to be quite subtle and understated, which I appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. Scott, what are your thoughts? Uh, I liked it. Thumbs up. I enjoyed uh, Billy Piper's role as the uh, conscience, the interface to the moment. Uh, I thought that was a, a good choice. Um, yeah, overall, it was fun. I liked the pacing. I liked uh, the ending. I mean, I'm not like a super huge uh, longtime Doctor Who fan. So the uh, shocking surprise ending uh, cameo, which I knew about, uh, didn't really impact me as much as I'm sure it did other people. But uh, I did like it. I found it. I thought it was delightful. Yeah. Yeah, it was a cool well, ending, and, and it was uh, wrapped in enough explanation that you could make up your own explanation about it, but it really wasn't, like, the point. Um, and which it was just kind of nice, and people can dissect, and will, and have, and are doing so right now on the internet, dissect what it means. But... Um, but in the end, we got we got a scene where Tom Baker, who may or may not be the future version, trying on old faces of the Doctor, but he's retired and he's running this. He's a curator <laughs> of this bizarre uh, museum gallery place, having a conversation with uh, Matt Smith. How great is that? That there's a conversation between Matt Smith and Tom Baker in the show. That's cool. That's and Tom yeah. Baker, for all you know, the fact is he is essentially the definitive actor who played this character and we it's boring to pick him i was saying this in our doctor who episode too it's it's it was boring to pick him but everybody when you think of doctor who i mean maybe people are starting to think of david Tennant and matt smith but it's that guy in the scarf and the hat and i mean that's so to have him on who is not on the 20th anniversary episode by the way is that was cool yeah i was gonna say in contrast to david's point as someone who really has only been in you know, the Doctor Who universe since the reboot. Like, I kind of always knew the Doctor as that, you know, he's the last of the Time Lord's identity, you know. That was kind of the overriding image I always had of him. So it wasn't for me necessarily to judge whether that was for good or for ill. It was just, it simply was. And so right. it was interesting to take a different perspective on that. And, and you know, it's nice that you have a show that is run long enough that you can take the time, if you'll excuse the expression, to develop those kinds of stories. I mean, you know, if you were doing this in an American network television show, like at the end of the first season, he would have been like, oh, Gallifrey's not destroyed. But like, you know, that was that was eight years ago. You know, it's we've had this show. This show's been running for the current incarnation has been running for eight years now. Um, and that's a long time to tease out that plot thread. But I'm glad because it feels 
like it has significance then, right? After it has right. weight if you right. wait for it eight years as opposed to 13 episodes in and they decide to change it. Um, and so, you know, it feels like a big ground shift and it also feels like a big setting the stage moment given what we know is going to happen in the Christmas episode. You yeah. know, this is a transition point. And well. I think it's cool the idea that, especially the idea that, I mean, you is there an argument that this this had always happened, right? Yes. So, you know, right. So, like, you know, based on the nature of time travel, you know, this was true in theory at the beginning of the show. We just didn't know it. Right. So that's all the, all the fun continuity stuff that you can tease out having to do with time travel. So I liked it. Well, I thought that it was cool to bring that sort of – it was a different kind of episode to me. And I liked the fact that it played into a lot of the mythological stuff and that we had this incarnation, the war doctor – um, who's a very different type of doctor, but in the end, you know, more similar than different. Um, and it was nice to have the idea of the doctors, you know, saving himself too, right? Yes. I thought I yeah. thought that was a nice touch. You mentioned uh, ground shift, and I, it's I, coming into this. Stephen Moffat said he was trying to set this was about not celebrating the last fifty, but setting up the next fifty. And I thought, well, that's nice bit of hype, but come on. But I, I think you're right in that it feels. Like some of the assumptions and grounding and premise of the show, not of all time, but of since 2005, has shifted with this episode. That it's not about the time war, it's not about what happened, Gallifrey's out there somewhere, maybe you could go get it. But it's like, you know, it's almost like the do- we know the Doctor is moving on with his life, he's resolved this issue he had about the time war. And perhaps he did it through time travel, or perhaps it was always that way, right? That's always that time travel question. Um, by the way, how great is it that John Hurt just keeps rolling his eyes at all the catchphrases that, that David <laughs> well, Tennant yeah. and Matt Smith oh, timey-wimey yeah. and all on Z, and he's like, oh my god. Why must you talk like children? Well, what, what a great point, though, that, you know, I mean, doesn't it, in retrospect, make the casting of Peter Capaldi, who briefly appears very, very yes. quickly, um, doesn't it Called make it. so much more sense now when he's talking about the maybe it's time to grow up? Yes. It's like we've had, yeah. you know, three fairly young incarnations of the Doctor. Maybe it's time that, you know, we have a Doctor who is a little more on the adult side. And that's that to me is an interesting another sort of like lob setup. Well, you it's it's almost set up in this episode because the future uh, travels of the Doctor could be I'm looking for the children. Right. And in order to look for the children, you have to be a grown up in order to find the children Ooh. of Gallifrey and the, the future of Gallifrey. Very nice. Well, I, you know, I have to say, I, I, when they when they first announced him as being the next Doctor, and I thought, he's got to show up in this episode somewhere, even for yes. a second. So I was, I was so happy to see him. But even even having predicted that, I let out an audible yelp when, <laughs> when he just showed up. And and my, my youngest son looked up and went, what happened? Said, nothing, nothing. Just keep going. Just <laughs> watching, watching show. But it's it's in there, and I, I like David. I, I thought there's no way Stephen Moffat is going to have already cast the next Doctor, and there's no way he can resist being having yeah. it be the first time where a future Doctor appears earlier in the show. There's no way he could resist, and so obviously they shot something probably around the same time they shot Matt Smith's regeneration and uh, dropped it in there and said you'll be seeing him soon, and uh, that was pretty that was pretty cool, and it was it was quick, right? It wasn't like a whole thing I, I was almost expecting that at the end instead of it being tom baker coming yeah, out at the end here. that it would be yeah. peter capaldi uh, yeah. and with that with the the gallery being revealed as having those you know the gallery had those hexagons on the wall and i kept figuring we were just going to go out that back door of the gallery and it was going to be the tardis and that would be <laughs> the end right but uh we got it a little differently than that but still it, it pretty cool be. 
it, it may be. be inside somewhere. It may it's be true. in Latter Day Tom Baker's uh, TARDIS. It could be. I wanted to. Um, uh, somebody mentioned Billy Piper. I think. I think Scott did. And and as the as that sort of avatar of the moment, I did. and I I really liked the idea of the moment, which was again dropped in the end of time, and then ha- and then picked up here, which is that I really love that it is the, the most horrible weapon in the universe, but it's sentient and it needs to be convinced to be used. I think that's such an amazing <laughs> idea, and then to have it be in the form of. Of a uh, uh, Billy Piper, which gets her into this episode without it being explaining that it's Rose, which I thought was cool. The great mm-hmm. line about "I got it from your past or your future." I keep getting those mixed up. Is <laughs> also good, and she did. A, I thought she did a great job in that part, which is a little bit of Rose and also a little bit of not this sort of mysterious, powerful force trying to guide the Doctor in the right direction. I thought that was cool. Well, you've got somebody who's playing the Alex Kingston role who's not Ro- or not River for once. And right. I think everybody's gotten a little – like I love Alex Kingston and I love the River Song storylines. But I think everybody had gotten maybe a little burnt out on River Song. So it allows Stephen Moffat to have that kind of playful I have, I have cards that you haven't seen that are played yet um, character on this show – and allow them to kind of lead the doctor by the nose without necessarily putting Alex Kingston in the role again. Well, and then how it was very odd to me to realize, wow, we're never going to have a scene with Billy Piper and David Tennant where they talk to each other. No. Which is kind of strange. You just get that wonderful one shot where he's like, did you say Bad Wolf? And you have Billy Piper just sort of smiling behind him. Well, actually, and that's immediately preceded by uh, John Hurt saying, bad wolf wolf girl, I could kiss you. And she says, yeah, that's going to (laughs) happen. That that was all, uh, that was really good. Somebody in the chat room is talking about it's a shame that uh, Christopher Eccleston couldn't be in it. And it's true. They they did actually, when John Hurt uh, regenerates at the very end of the episode, first he says this body's worn a little thin, which is what William Hartnell says before he regenerates. And uh, they did, if you look closely, it's Christopher Eccleston's yeah. eyes who appear mm-hmm. just before they cut away. So they, they used enough computer graphics to imply Christopher Eccleston without, without um, you know, t- going further and trying to do even more compositing to make it, you know, more clear. We do get a shot of him in the, from archive footage with sure. the whole, in the whole gallery moment. And I like that his, um, there's a, there's a certain element of his aesthetic in the war doctor's outfit with the leather jacket and everything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a little bit of continuity there, which I think is nice. I also appreciate that at the very end, he makes the comment of, oh, I'm not going to remember this. I'm going to, you know, walk out of here still believing that I potentially destroyed Gallifrey, which I'm like, Good job, Stephen Moffat. Way to cover your bases about, you know. <laughs> yes. Why don't they remember rewriting. it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and Matt Smith says, oh, I remember this. Uh, kind of, right? And and it's that moment where it's all sort of thawing for him. And it explains away why they would not, you know, know everything. You know, David Tennant would know it twice and Matt Smith would know it three times. Um, it, it, the rumor is that that Stephen Moffat wrote the John Hurt part for Christopher Eccleston, and then when he couldn't get him back, he conceived this whole mystery doctor. And and, and in watching this episode, I thought, oh yeah, that this would have worked perfectly as Christopher Eccleston in that part, but um, it worked fine without. And you know, John Hurt is not a bad guy to get as a replacement. No, absolutely no. not. No, he did a great job. And it actually it does play on that because they are so young, uh, Tennant and, and and Smith. 
um it, it works in that and you don't you don't have that moment of like well where's the ninth doctor because it's like well no the idea here is that they these two guys have lived and i really like that that they look young so there's that contrast and they both talk about how many hundreds of years they both lived so it's right. a, a few hundred for david Tennant and another three or four hundred for matt smith to think about what happened when they were john hurt which it, you know it's it's not implied it's stated and it's and it's part of why the decisions that they make are what they are, which I thought was really nice. That, that That's a Doctor Who thing that a lot of times you're like, you know, ask me later. <laughs> I'll explain it later. Right. And instead they, they addressed it and it was part of the story. Well, you, there's a line you can draw now from like, you know, the point where you have the, the John Hurt Doctor all the way through all what we've seen that now makes, you know, has a nice arc of continuity into why. Even, you know, you look back at things like, you know, the, uh, was it Dr. Dances? Like, isn't that like that fifth yeah. episode? Yeah, where like everybody lives, right? Like all yes. of that, you know, there's this huge, lovely line of continuity about why the doctor makes the choices he does and how this has shaped him. And I think that's wonderful. Um, and it also allows the whole playing with the age thing because I don't know, the, the Matt Smith doctor, the 11th doctor's age, I think, has always been interesting, which they kind of allude to in the point where in the prison cell where he's like, I mean, maybe I'm lying about my age and, you know, you've gotten old when you can't remember how old you are because yeah. they've jumped back and forth with him because there was that whole thing with the well, with river and going forward well in the and... day of the moon and all that crud where it's like actually the older version of the doctor, but not. And so I don't know. It's it was nice. To, they, they did do a lot of hand waving at a couple of points, but that's all right, because that's kind of the story that they're telling. We got to see there is a character wearing a, a Tom Baker scarf. That's sort of strange, although I'm starting to wonder now if the curator didn't suggest that she wear. I've got a long <laughs> scarf you can wear. I mean, why not? Yeah, well, it's, it's yeah. really interesting that it happened to be Tom Baker's scarf and Tom Baker appears at the end of the episode. Well, that's, that's a little hint. Well, of course, but it's... Yes, it's very iconic Doctor Who memorabilia, but at the same time, like you get the sense. I actually, I'm sure that character is just a one-off, but I almost hope that she appears again because she, they, Moffat crafted her a little bit more interestingly than he does some of his other one-offs. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if I mean, is she supposed to be a cure, uh, part of the museum staff or no, part of unit? Unit. unit? Yeah. Yeah. So it's entirely. I mean, it's entirely possible that she might have any some kind of interaction well, with the curator. It it could oh. even be that that's where the fourth doctor got the idea to wear that scarf. Oh yeah, we just we could go around in circles like oh, this boy. all day. Yeah. <laughs> well, I liked that there was some there. You know, again, I'm you know I haven't been watching as long as some of you have, but um, there were some nice tips of the hat to things from the earlier eras. I mean, Captain Jack gets a mention. Um, River Song's shoes are in the Black Archive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's lots of like little little references to things from from earlier incarnations. So it was, you know, I always enjoy little tips of the hat to the continuity, especially in a in a show like this, which has so much continuity. The the, un, the under noticed uh, reference to end of time in here, by the way, is Queen Elizabeth the first, which right, which in end of time, as the Doctor is doing his sort of. Uh, final travels before he knows he's going to go and meet his fate he mentions uh basically that he married queen elizabeth the first so that's that's resolved here and um and that means it's it's russell davis's fault that the doctor started getting married and not uh stephen moffat's which is also really funny (laughs) and uh and then of course she's referenced also in the end of the shakespeare episode where um she tries to to have the guards kill the doctor and now we realize that's because he married her and then disappeared and never came back uh so that was nice and then the other big reference in here is the zygons who were in an episode from 1976 with tom baker and have never been seen since as these big funny sucker covered shakespeare 
shape-shifting alien guys and uh and they're fr- and they were seen in an episode set in Scotland and I think Stephen Moffat and David Tennant had sworn that one day they would do being Scotsmen <sighs> themselves they would get the Zygons in an episode and they did it in the 50th I appreciate the fact that they were men in rubber suits absolutely <laughs> that's a salute yeah. a salute to classic doctor who yes oh well that was really funny my my uh my kids and i were watching this together and and uh and uh i said just about like two seconds before that i said oh it's the horse <laughs> it was the horse and he's like yeah it was the horse there's a zygon there now that was really funny that was good a lot of funny stuff but yeah, we expect that from uh stephen moffat i guess what else, uh, Dan and Ren? Generally positive thoughts. Anything else that you wanted to talk about in particular? Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was really fantastic. I thought they used Jenna Coleman well in the entirely throughout this episode. In an episode that really wasn't about companions, they found a way to weave her into the story in such a way that did not make it feel like she was just kind of hanging out in the end and being like, "Hey guys, so there's a button that you could press together, or maybe not." Like you already have sort of Rose playing this bad wolf character. Right. Um, I I appreciate that when they do have her in the scenes, she's actually making some kind of effect and basically standing in for humanity in some ways. While yeah. while uh, Billy Piper's character is sort of the the compass on one end of the spectrum, she's kind of playing the compass for, well, remember what you've become. Remember all the other things that you can do. Don't forget, Clara's job is to save the Doctor. And as we saw in the, the name of the Doctor, the last episode of the last season, um, she did, she didn't see John Hurt's Doctor. She never got a chance to save him. And is that not what she does by saying, maybe you don't need to destroy Gallifrey? I mean, in some ways, she saved, her job's to save the Doctor. She saved the Doctor by having him not destroy his planet in the end, which is kind of cool. And, and she was, yeah, she was never in that traditional companion mode. She was very much... I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they portray her going forward because she's had that moment we talked about it where she saved him already. You could say her story is done or you could look at it and say, look, she's now um, an expert. She's seen everything there is to see about the doctor. She like totally gets it now. And that's what she was in this episode. She was like everything she did and suggested was right on the nose. It wasn't, you know, she she knew what she was doing and she saved she saved the day in the end in one way by by being the one to say you don't need to do this you you know right. you're letting yourself down if you go ahead with this and in setting it up for the next regeneration you have the possibility of having a companion who knows even more about the doctor in some ways than he does about he himself does. um but i was gonna say the um overall i i really enjoyed it as well i also liked on the claire front that um in that very first scene you get the call out to the first doctor with the foreman right because isn't that the, his yep. granddaughter's that last name well, that was the very first scene. Even more than that, the first scene of this shows the p- sign pointing toward the junkyard, which is where the TARDIS was. But it's at Coal Hill School, which is where we first see Susan and her two teachers who become uh, Barbara and Ian, who become the first uh, other companions right. along with Susan. And on the sign, it says the head of the Board of Governors, I. Chesterton, which means right. that the guy who who is the head of the Board of Governors at school is Ian from the first episode of Doctor Who. Uh, which is pretty awesome. So that they yeah. did they did the tip of the cap right at the beginning, and then they had a motorcycle drive right into the TARDIS, which, by the way, was really awesome. <laughs> it was- <laughs> I, I was going to say my one disappointment, though, which was um, watching the Time War, uh, it felt kind of pedestrian to me. Like, you kind of imagine this. Like, yeah, they're just shooting lasers at each other. You're kind of imagining, like, these are people who have the power to manipulate time and space. You feel like it would be this kind of conflict that's almost 
unfathomable, yes. like multi-layered, hugely crazy conflict. And at the end of the day, it's people shooting at each other, which With is a lasers. little, which is spectacular, but like a little bit like. Uh, Time Lord. So they're basically just people with guns. So you my, were looking my, for more like a, a looper type special effects where people just <laughs> suddenly start disappearing. I, I, I thought about that too. I, I mean, I can explain it about away by saying this is like the ground war and the final invasion and it has to be done by force and that across the rest of the galaxy, obviously crazy time things were happening. Sure. Well, they reference that with all the worlds that get burned away right. and everything, they, that, all the ripple effects, right? But, but you're absolutely right that, that as spectacular, and it was, and I was like, this is Doctor Who? This is really, these are great special effects. At the same time, I was like, it is a lot of pew, pew, pew of laser beams, you know? <laughs> but the laser beams look good. They were good laser they did. beams. They didn't they look great. Yeah. It just felt a little weird because it felt like watching crazy something that was not, and stuff. it didn't yeah. feel like Time Lords. <laughs> Didn't yeah. feel like Doctor Who because it looked good. <laughs> yeah, I know. What the heck is that about? No, they that was that was that was cool. I like that. Um, clearly, there's a horrible uh, class system on Gallifrey because there are like <laughs> the Time Lords who have their little outfits and their little hoods and things on their necks and, and the, stuff. The, the Time Surfs. Yeah, everybody else has got around. like robes and is out in the dirt running around. Yeah, the Time Peasants. I think those are the Gallifreyans, right? They're not Time Lords. They're they're the yeah they're the Time Peasants. You got it, Dan. Well, time Surfs. Maybe we'll find out in a, in a future episode. Maybe. When they find about, I I'm really looking forward to an episode that's entirely about the social hierarchy of Gallifrey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think they did that in the Tom Baker era, and it was really boring. <laughs> trade negotiations, Jason. Oh, yeah. Nothing as exciting as trade negotiations. Oh, man. That's, that's what – I was afraid they were going there with the Zygons. You guys sit down and negotiate something now. <laughs> like, oh, I hope they don't call in the Trade Federation here. That would be really bad. But instead, they like left. <laughs> They're like, "See, ya, we got a thing we got to go to now. So you guys just work it out." And then we didn't see them again. It's like we're dropping that plot now. We're done. It's done. <laughs> well, let's see what else. What else to talk about here? I mean, I thought it was a fun. I thought it was a fun episode. I'm looking forward actually to seeing it in 3D, which I'm going to see on Monday. Um, just because how big a headache will it give me? But I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna give it a go. There were a few moments where I was like, "Ah, that's that's there to be." That's I bet that's 3D. spectacular in 3D. <laughs> Well, I love how all the paintings have iOS 7, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's exactly it. Did kind it. Of, um, it did kind of scare <laughs> me with uh, Gallifrey Falls No More. Um, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, throw a Dalek out of the painting as we emerge from it. And then I started to wonder, I'm like, are we going to find ourselves in a future episode where Daleks suddenly start pouring out of the paintings in the National Archive? Well, this fancy. Uh, Except that they never destroyed awesome. all the Daleks because they kept coming back. Like there's like eight episodes with Daleks in them, and the Time War was did not work. Disaster, terrible plan. What else to talk about in here? We have uh, the, uh, the 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 strange museum, the black uh, the, the black uh, gallery archive. or ar- black archive where you the can't not even archive. the Tardis not even the Tardis can go. And so they do a very clever thing, which is they go like to Gallifrey and then go through the painting. It's like all right, I'll go with that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. I, I love the uh, I love the moment where she just looks at him and goes, "Can't you just once walk by a fez without picking it up?" Oh man. <laughs> well, I like how David Tennant sees the fez. He's like, "Oh, I'll put this on, right?" Yeah. Like, yeah. Sure. sure. I I do really enjoy the interactions between the two doctors. We Something that we that, haven't yeah. gotten that much of in mm. the modern era, except for in a couple little one-off. You know, there's the Peter, Peter Davison, Davison yeah. one-off, but um. 
I really enjoyed the moment, like where they're both putting on the glasses. Yeah, and they're yeah. sort of admiring each other's glasses, and when they're making fun of each other for wearing sand shoes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and uh, the you know at the end where they're doing the negotiation thing, and they both put their feet up on the table and everything. Mm-hmm. Like they do a nice oh. job of of the again. You have characters. You have actors playing two characters who are the same character, but also not the same character, which is always interesting to watch. And when you put them in a room together, especially when you have, you know, someone like the doctor who is supposed to be so brilliant. Um, it's interesting to see, to note these similarities and the differences in terms of how they portray them. They, they, they were a great combination. Uh, really funny. I, I felt in some ways, this is a uh, Stephen Moffat's tribute to the, the classic uh, TV episode, the three doctors, because it's the same. It's a very similar dynamic where you've got the current doctor and the most recent doctor, and they have a, a little bit of a sparring relationship. In fact, right down to the fact that Patrick Troughton and the three doctors says exactly what David Tennant says, which is you've redecorated. I don't like it. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> uh, and then there's the older previous doctor who thinks that there's something wrong with both of them, which is William Hartnell. And then in this, it's John Hurt. And, and so it, there is a little bit of that same sort of like, that was, that was a pretty pretty good dynamic let's do that again and it that was that was a lot of fun and those two guys together yeah they were they, they were great i gotta say as somebody who really loves 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 the the david Tennant era it was so great to have david Tennant back as the doctor for a little while and get some new scenes including having his closing line be exactly the same so we can once again say the last thing we ever heard the 10th doctor say is i don't want to go because he says it again <laughs> but it was great to see him and have and when i talked about the pacing earlier one of the things I liked is we got that chunk of David Tennant's little adventure before the plot came in, before the Matt Smith stuff came right. in. So we got a little like mini little glimpse into a, an unseen 10th Doctor adventure and got to see our old friend again, which is part of what this is, episode is trying to do. So that was great, too. I love him, seeing him kind of pop in. I know. Here. I love David Tennant so much. And his humor, again, like you think that it's sort of in my memory. I seem to remember David Tennant and Matt Smith being sort of similarly played doctors. And then when you see them actually face to face, you're like, no, David Tennant has this wonderful sort of subset of mannerisms and, and witticisms and jokes that I was like, Oh, I forgot that I missed you so much. (laughs) I know. Well, he's got, I mean, I had this argument with people when I think he, Matt Smith first came on. It's like the thing about Matt, the 11th doctor, he's a little more alien and a little more wacky um, and then, then David Tennant, the 10th doctor is a little more charming, right? He does the thing at the end too, where he kisses Clara's hand and then kind of like winks at the 11th doctor, you know, he's got, they're both, you know, they're both handsome men or whatever, but they're, you know, they are, they take it in slightly different directions in terms of how they deal with other people where, you know, the Matt Smith character right from like fish fingers and custard is kind of gawky and bizarre. And, and David Tennant on the other hand has a sort of self-assured, uh, smoothness to him. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh he can still do it. I mean, that was that was the thing. It's only been 3 or 4 years, right? And 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 so of course he can, but it was great to be reminded like he still he still got it. He can still do that. They apparently on the set they were joking. They went to Stephen Moffat while they were shooting and they, knowing that this wasn't a real possibility, but they that Matt Smith and David Tennant went to Stephen Moffat and said, "We got an idea for you. The next series, let's do, you know, four episodes with me, uh, four episodes with him, and then uh, you know, four episodes where we're together. <laughs> Let's just do that. And and, and, and it's just That'd like, awesome. you know, that would be... Then Stephen Moffat's head exploded. That would be great. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Well, speaking, speaking of Unseen Adventures, uh, how do you think the Knight of the Doctor 
fit in with all this. The, the, the Paul McGann, Paul McGann. surprising Paul McGann appearance. Yeah. Uh, I was delightful. I, I mean, just because it, I was glad that it had not been spoiled for me. So that when you like, yeah. you know, I, I've done again, I've never I've actually never seen the Doctor Who movie, um, but oh. I, I knew enough about it to know, you know, who he was and, and things like that. So, and I knew but enough to nice not surprise. watch it. <laughs> yes, apparently. Well, I knew I've actually seen Paul McGinn in other roles, which yeah. is, you know, so I'm familiar with him as an actor. Um, but it is really funny to, you know, see him. Uh, you're, you're not the doctor you're expecting. Yes. Good punchline. Yeah, that was that was probably my favorite moment. And again, you know, it was like, oh my god, because I, I think it was uh, it it went live just as my kids got on the school bus one morning, and I just sat down and said, you know what, I'm going to watch this. I don't care because I don't want it spoiled. And uh, as soon as he popped up, he was, I'm, I'm the doctor, but not the one you're expecting. It's like, ah. <laughs> I was I was just up and making tea and in, in, in at you know six thirty in the morning and there was a tweet that was just like they posted the night of the doctor and so I got <laughs> to see it without even seeing Paul McGann anywhere and I and, and I was sitting there thinking come on Paul McGann Paul McGann it's Paul McGann yeah and you know he he is that that TV movie isn't isn't that good so I liked how this that 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 short redeemed him and we got to see him and it, and he's good he is a he's a good actor he's great in the audios and so to get him a little more screen time and I like how it links it in it says this is what happened with the doctor is that Paul McGann got kind of pulled into the time war but refused and said no I'm going to just uh minister to people on the sidelines and then at some point what happened is it got to the point I was I watched it today right before the the new episode was on. It's like it got so bad that not only couldn't he save the woman on the spaceship, but she was willing to sacrifice her own life just to kill a time lord because they had it was that bad. And that's the thing that precipitates him being like, "All right, I got to do something different. I can't ignore this anymore." And that makes the John Hurt incarnation. So we get to see sort of where he came from and that he was young, right? They used footage of John Hurt from like the late 70s or early 80s in that reflection yeah. at the very end to imply that he, you know, when we see him in in Day of the Doctor, he has had a long life fighting the time war and uh, we're we're catching him at, at kind of exhausted at the very end. The thing where they the the sisterhood gives him the potion and says, you know, um because he points out that they have the secret to eternal boredom or eternal life. Yes, funny. And I'm kind of wondering if that's going to tie in with, oh, wow, he now has more regenerations because now he has eternal life. I don't know. Yeah, that's a that's a brain of Morbius reference from the 70s. But, you know, I, whether whether I don't think that's I, I don't think they're going to tie into a, a, a minisode. But it did it did sort of plant the seed that there are lots of different ways to to do uh to do regenerations but that was a, that was a good reference i actually i thought one of the funniest things in there is when they say you have four minutes to live and he said that's ages anyone for chess bring me knitting <laughs> <laughs> very did, very funny i do want to make a mention of from the uh the day of the doctor the three tardises with their various differing oh, yeah. aesthetics. Which one of them is yeah. mine? Yeah, the, which one of them is mine? It's the one that's had the crap kicked out yeah. of it, dude. <laughs> well, no, he laughs because he's like, I'm kidding. I know, of course, which one is mine. He's like, which one of them is mine? Roll eyes. And then off yeah. he goes. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a nice moment that, you know, makes fans happy, too, to see all the, all the many, many TARDISes. 
Um, and the interiors bumping around through the different interiors and different types. The circle things. I love the circle things. What are they for? No idea. I don't know. <laughs> that was really that was really cool how they flashed through them too. That it was like you know you know again hand waving explanation of like why does it look like this one and then that one and then this one. It's like bah, it's Tardis is doing a thing. Whatever. Let's move on. But it, we got and to see them all. I also loved the the line. You know, uh, you can't trust the Americans. Haven't you seen their movies? <laughs> it's a nice well, little dig. Yes. What would they do with time travel? Yes. Yeah. Can't can't be allowed. We should also mention that one of the things the BBC posted today was a thirty minute long comedy movie written and directed by Peter Davison. It's on BBC's website. We'll put it in the show notes. It it, it it's hilarious, oh, it's, and the entire plot of it is it's called the Five Ish Doctors reunion <laughs> or reboot. The Five Ish Doctors reboot, and it's the plot is. Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, occasionally Paul McGann, and um, the voicemail of Tom Baker <laughs> um, are, are desperately trying to get in the 50th anniversary uh, in some way, shape, or form. And um, the, and it's very funny. And there is actually something interesting at the end. You're like, huh, could that be them hidden away? We'll we'll never know. Uh, but it's worth watching if you uh, like, especially old Doctor Who at all, because it's 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 a very funny bit, and there are a lot of good cameos in it. There's a great bit with uh, John Barrowman in it, um, and it's worth watching. It's very very funny, and uh, I think my favorite line in the entire thing is probably when Colin Baker at some point says to Sylvester McCoy. What you're in the Hobbit? Why aren't you talking about that? Because he won't <laughs> shut up about being in the Hobbit. So I, my my favorite line, and I, I won't spoil anything about it, but my favorite line would be Moffat calling his secretary and saying, "Make sure I'm not disturbed for the rest of the afternoon." <laughs> yes, yes, yes. After getting off, getting another voice, yet another voicemail from Peter Davison, <laughs> asking, just making it aware that he's available for the 50th anniversary if they would like to cast him in something. Uh, very very funny. It's on the BBC website. It's not a even a side project thing. It's like done by the BBC with Peter Davison and uh, David Tennant's in it briefly, and David Tennant's wife, who's Peter Davison's daughter, is in it briefly, and it's very funny, worth watching. And the voicemail of Tom Baker is in it. It's true. <laughs> and there's a, there's a five doctors joke in it actually, which is fantastic. So. Um, never before will you uh, laugh at the Nokia ringtone, generic Nokia ringtone, as you will laugh in that in that episode. So, all right. Well, uh, what have we left behind? Anything else we want to that, that we haven't covered that we should talk about about this episode? Is it Christmas yet? Oh man, it's close, Dan. <laughs> Soon, according to the malls, yes. Very very close. <laughs> and there'll be another ago. episode. We will see. There was a little teaser. At the end of this, which just showed many, you know, it showed Weeping Angels and Daleks and Cybermen and Silence and said, you know, this, what's the name of this planet? Trenzalor and Silence will fall. And that was the end. So it's the Stephen Moffat tries to wrap up all of his dangling plot threads and send (laughs) Matt Smith off in a little more than a month. But uh, that was all that was really in it. That was not what the announcer said. There wasn't a Stephen Moffat will now attempt. (laughs) That would be good. The doctor will return in Stephen Moffat. Yes. Anything else? No? Uh, I'm just ready to watch it again. Yeah, I'm going to watch it a couple couple more times. Sure. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, this was a lot of fun. I love love doing this. Let's do this again on Christmas. How about that? You're on. We can do it. 
Okay, yeah, let's do it. we have the technology. Dan, Dan will be somewhere with where with no internet, and he'll dial in from a rotary phone, and we will. Do a- <laughs> I will be sending my contributions via Time Telegraph. Oh, Time Telegraph. That's a good one. Yeah, see? Because if you go by the rotary phone, you might get sucked into the Matrix, and that's a whole other (laughs) podcast. I took took a wrong turn somewhere. Different (laughs) different podcast. All right, well, then I would like to thank my uh, participants in the Flash Flash podcast for their Flash participation. David Lohr, thanks for dialing in and uh, talking about Doctor Who for, for a little bit. Thanks. I'm always happy to Flash. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Scott McNulty, your dinner has gotten cold, but thanks for being here. Sorry, well, Scott. Well, I've tra- travel back in time. Yes. And, and, but I can't go back in my own timeline, so I'm screwed. May time can be rewritten. You can get that. You can use time, the power of time travel to make sure your dinner is slightly less cold. I'll put it Billy into Piper. a time pocket. Or a microwave. You could also use that. and then I was, I was going to say Billy Piper is in the corner waiting to help you warm it up. Yes. <laughs> The bad wolf microwave. I gotta go. She has to be convinced. Uh, And uh, Dan Morin, thank you. I'm glad that I was able to process all 40 minutes of this flash cast in about four seconds. You're brilliant like that. And Serenity Caldwell, as always, thank you for being here. And as always, thank you for inviting me. And man, I can't wait to watch the teaser for the next episode because we have it on our television right now. Super excited. All right. All right. And it wouldn't be a flash cast without you. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this uh, unedited flash sudden thing of the incomparable. Uh, We will see you again next weekend for a regular episode. And we will see you with another flash cast on Christmas for Matt Smith's last episode. (laughs) All right. Until then, this is Jason Snell. I've been your host. Um, Until I regenerate into (laughs) Peter Capaldi. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening to the incomparable. Good night. Good night.